Yeah, she wants the wine. Good morning, Trinidad and Tobago. Again, it's your Saturday brunch. Thank you so much for being here this morning. This morning, I have the pleasure of uh, chatting with, having brunch with, if you may, the Queen of Bacchanal, the one and only Miss Destra Garcia. Good morning, Destra. Good morning, Rokas. How are you? I am good. How are you? I'm fine. They said brunch, so I expect breakfast. I expect it, somebody to drop something from a buy my gate. It's on the way. <laughs> it's on the way, but you know, with social distancing, so they might have to pelt it from far. Die nothing, die nothing. I have all this stuff to um, sanitize and, and stuff, you know, you know. Don't all worry. Right. Nice, <laughs> nice, 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 nice. <laughs> so that's your Long time we're trying to talk to you here, you know. Long, long time. Know. Since carnival, we're I trying know. to make this happen. But, um, I know, it take a lockdown for this to happen. <laughs> I'm feeling bad. <laughs> nah, man, it's all right. It's all good. It's all good. Better late than never. I feel like now we could have a nice conversation where you don't have to rush with the season and all of that back and all. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So where do we begin, boy? Dastra, I want to, I want to go back through the, the whole journey of, of your career so far. I know hmm. that, uh, that it's been at least 22 years. At least. I think I mean... Nah. Isn't that 1998? Uh, nah, nah, nah. 99. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 99 was the year I came out with um, third bass on, on that song that Apple Man already said, with yeah. just a friend. Yeah. Big Tail Rhythm. Right. right. So, that was my debut into the professional life of soccer. Mm-hmm. You know, but you know that the career started a long time before that when I was a kid singing Kaiso. Right. Right. So, I used to sing Calypso as a child. NCC Junior Monarch, um, Burkeith Junior Monarch, and Jack Junior Monarch. I went through the whole nine years. Mm-hmm. And that transition, people, that transition uh, for you from from Calypso to Soka, was it was it odd or was it did it feel like you were abandoning one? Um, the thing about it is, while I was singing Kaiso, I was also singing in church. I was um, dabbling in pop and R and B and stuff like that. So, to tell you honest, to go through. I really was a music lover, you know? So it wasn't like I was feeling like I was abandoning one for the next because at that point in my life, I was actually now trying to branch over into the R&B sector, the pop sector. Mm -hmm. I'd already, at that point, already done a 17-track album with an A&R company called Renegade Entertainment out of Washington, D.C. And they were trying to shop the album and trying to get me out of Trinidad so that I can meet with executives and stuff. But that wasn't happening because I couldn't get a visa. Mm. <laughs> right? So that kind of, that project was on hold for a bit. Right? So when while that project was on hold, the producers that I was working with at Caribbean Sound Basin, um, some of them were at Link Up Studios doing soca tracks, working with soca artists and, you know, they were fresh off the Kiskadi caravan. Mm-hmm. And I was quite young, but you know, my parents were always 
supportive. So, yes, I had curfews when I go into the studio. I had to, you know, get back home at a certain time or if I get in trouble. They have to, you know, I was probably the only person that had to have producers call my parents and say, you know, um, we're running a little bit late, but somebody will drop us straight home. Yeah. You know? How old were you then? But, why am I started as far so everybody could take out a calculator and calculate things? <laughs> that's true. You feel you know, like that's true. That's true. You know on Wikipedia, they have your age full up, right? You know that, right? No, no that, that's not my correct age, though. <laughs> that's not my correct age, though. But you see, that's the thing, right? People go based on what they know. There are people that obviously know. Right. You know, because I fly and stuff, and obviously people would interact with my passport on different documents and stuff. But right. come on, we are national radio. You know how much listeners you have? So, wait, that's right. Your birthday is not November 10th? Yes, my birthday is November 10th. But I ain't gonna call the year. I go have respect and not call the year. That I see in here, but all right. <laughs> so you went through, you went through this phase of you know getting, getting introduced to these producers, doing the work with the producers, having to work late, having to you know get the parents and everybody on board. But I want to just yeah. step back a little bit. Your, your parents and your grandparents are very involved in music, or they were growing yeah. up. Yes, yeah? so music was always a big part of your life. Yeah, it was. It well, when I let me see, from the age of three. I can remember myself singing um, songs, but not like all the lyrics of it, but hearing so many songs in the house. And, and it was a color loop because mm -hmm. my grandparents would listen to records, right? So they're listening to Roaring Lion and Sparrow and Kitchener and, and, you know, all these different people. So that's the first introduction to Kaiser. And then my uncles were into Stevie Wonder and, you know, that kind of vibe. And my mom was into gospel stuff, but she was also into R&B and into, you know, the, the Gladys Knight and different people like that. And then my father was a Bob Marley man. Strictly right. Bob Marley, <laughs> you know, because he had a long dreadlock, you right. know. So I, I kind of grew up hearing music everywhere. But apart from that, there were musicians in my family, which I figured that's what you're talking about. My uncles were panis, um Panis, that's yeah, Panis. <laughs> I have to say the right thing because <laughs> I'm supposed to know better, right? Right. right. So, and they played with Whitco Desperados on the hill for a number, number, number of years. Mm -hmm. And then my grandfather was a saxophonist um, that that used to be with Frankie Francis and different people from back then. Roy Cape was the one that would tell that story better than me because he knew my grandfather. And he said that his saxophone was one of the first ones he ever blew. Okay. All right. So, do you do yes, you play any instruments? Do you, you play any instruments, that's right? Well, no. My vocals are my instruments. Well, it is. Thing, not, that, not for want of trying, because my uncles, I have uncles also that were, well, my dad, my uncles were in a little band that they formed. And my uncle who played keyboard, bought me two keyboards while I was growing up. Mm -hmm. There was a Yamaha, there was a Casio, but it went under the bed and get dust. <laughs> because I guess to now, in retrospect, thinking about it, because I have... Humble beginnings. I guess they would have had to take me for lessons and different things like that. And there were certain things that we couldn't afford when I was a child, you know? Right. But, you know, being self-taught, somebody could probably say, yeah, but you know, you could have... Nah, it was easier singing and bringing songs to life with my voice, you know? And I mean, your voice is an instrument and you use it superbly. Did you, did you go yeah, to vocal training? No, I did not. I absolutely did not, which, which shocks many people. Because I have um, good control over my voice, but I think in a way, maybe I train my own voice by singing over um, Whitney Houston songs all the time. Right. You know, or, or singing all those songs. I used to sing some brandy songs. I used to sing all these songs at home in the shower. 
You know, you'd hear people saying, oh, God, shut up. Oh, God, hold your noise, noise, noise. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Did you ever feel like you had to compromise those vocals to be um, the soca star that you are today? Did you ever feel like soca makes you have to use less of those, that, that range that you developed over those years? Well, in one aspect, you see, it, like I said, it's a good thing I grew up being a music lover. Mm-hmm. Because it, it depends on what genre you sing, and you have to bring it to life the correct way. Now, I can't say that because there are songs that I put on my albums that, you know, show off the vocals, or I get to use them in different songs, um, whether it be in an ad lib or whether the key of a song is higher, and I get to, you know, use the, the vocal chords the way it's supposed to. But in soca, it's a bacchanal type of music. And because I am the queen of Bacchanal, I am known for the queen of Bacchanal just because, as course plenty, actually Bacchanal all over <laughs> Trinidad ever so often. But because of the, the, my vocals also work in a sense of bringing the Bacchanal, you mm-hmm. know, the commanding of the vocals on the stage. When you tell people, put their hands in the air or you throw your voice in a certain way where everybody can hear you without shouting on the mic. Right. You know, the correct use of the mic is to change your vocals so that it sounds the way you want it to sound on the microphone without you shouting. Right. So I think I've mastered that, you know, and you can do that without good vocals. So I don't think I've compromised. I think, I've, if, if anything, Soka has taught me how to use my voice better. I think when I started to sing Soka, my voice got a lot stronger, mm-hmm. you know, without compromising the quality of my voice, you know? Okay. All right. I know there was a yeah. period in time when, um, when, you know, every carnival you would hear artists getting, getting that sore truth. Right, right, coming yeah. down to the end, you know what I mean? And I get so that concerned. To me. Yeah. Why do you think that, that happens? happens? To me because we don't use the microphone properly and because sometimes there's um, the sound, you don't have your own engineer, especially if you're a solo artist, you know. With me in a band, we have sound checks. Right. With bands, you get to do sound checks, you get to set, um, check your mic so you know exactly how far you could go and you don't shout. But when you're going from fet to fet, which used to be the situation when I sang Bonnie and Clyde, Carnival, and, and those times. Apart from being on the band, there were times that I would have to sing solo in shows, and you're going from show to show to show to catch the band show, you know? And sometimes you don't have the correct microphone, but you want people to hear you, and you're adrenaline rushing, and you just want to mash up the place, you know? So sometimes you would, you would have bad technique, you know? But I did lose my voice completely the year after Bonnie and Clyde, the year of Bonnie and Clyde. I don't know if people would remember that, but like coming down to the last two weeks of carnival, my voice was touch and go. Until the last weekend of carnival, it was completely gone. And right after carnival, I had to go to ENT to check to see if I had not used growing at the back of my throat, which was a traumatic experience because they had to put a camera down my nose mm. and down my throat, which I don't ever want to experience again. So after that, I started to take care of my voice. <laughs> Well, that's a, that's a nice lesson to learn. <laughs> a nice way to learn yeah. that lesson. Yeah, yeah. Dasha, can we talk about that year? Because Bonnie and Clyde is probably one of my favorite soca songs of all time, right? Of course. And, I mean, for me, I, I, was, I was a bit young that year, so I didn't get to go and experience the, the frenzy and, like, every fete and all them kind of things, right? How was, how was that experience for you as the artist on stage with this song, this monster song? That it, I, I mean, if I remember correctly, it came out a bit late in the season, and mm. it kind of just blew up. Well, people always say that my songs come out late in the season, but that's not it, huh? I'll tell you. <laughs> my, a lot of the songs that I push for the season come out in enough time. It's just that probably I wasn't as known yet. Right. Um, 
it was coming off the heels of its carnival. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people associate its carnival um, being Marshall and a new chick that come out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man, right? we had nowhere from Trimble. No, no, no. Nah, no, but still, at that time, you won't believe there were people, because come on, there are songs that you hear for carnival that you like and you're whining to and you're jumping to, but you really don't know who the artist is. True, true. You know, you hear the song, you love the song, it's like, I really like this song, but put the artist in front of you, you will pass them straight, you don't know who it is. Right. You know? So, I mean, people knew Destra because I was in, in Roy K, but remember, I was a background vocalist, I was in frontline vocalist with Blacks and Derek until after... Um, Trimble it. Right. Right? That's when I, you know, and I used to come forward and go back, come forward and go back. So it wasn't like, you know, and men still dominated the thing. Mm-hmm. Men still dominated the thing. So as females, they would always see us as background singers, you know. And it's only when I joined Atlantic, and that is when I did It's Carnival and back and It's Carnival and, and Bonnie and Clyde, that I was actually frontline, frontline with Ronnie. It was just me and Ronnie and Marvin Lewis. But right. it was actually me in the front, you and know. The two of them as your backups. Always... No, 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 no. <laughs> Ronnie was always frontline, but he was training me. Right. More or less like what Blacks and Derek were doing. Blacks and Derek were training me, yeah, to come forward. That's why I used to come forward and go back, come forward, and go back. But I wasn't. I don't think I was actually ready because I did not have good crowd control at that time. And plus, I used to sing everybody's songs, like I used to sing um Alice Nine songs, yeah. Belfont songs, because they were the ones that had songs. I used to emulate them and look at them and you know try to be like them. You didn't have a lot of females at that time with hit songs, you know. Okay. And then by the time we reached to Atlantic, and Ronnie was there. I think Ronnie wanted to come out of the game somewhat. So he was kind of training me to take control. So I had a lot of reins at that time. I could, you know, the, the, the session was, was equally shared, you know, right. between us. No, so I, I think that, uh-huh. No, I was saying, I, I know Ronnie McIntosh is a, is a guy that, my father always says he has the best crowd control. Ronnie has the best yep. crowd control. So if there's anybody you <laughs> have to learn crowd control from, Ronnie McIntosh right. would be a great, a great, great teacher. How was that experience learning under Ronnie? Well, Ronnie's a guy that is, is funny. You know, in a, in the sense of hysterical, like mm-hmm. not hysterical. He's comical. He's he make you laugh every yeah, second, yeah, yeah. and he likes to crack jokes. You know, and, and it was fun being around him. Being around a legend like that was like okay. Are any big times now? Hmm. Ronnie McIntosh is somebody has a little girl like looking at mashing up. You know, and to be next to him now, doing stuff. There was actually a funny story once we were in um, <laughs> I think it was, Barber. Was it Barbarossa or was it Legends? One of those bands having their mass band. And I called the wrong name <laughs> of the band. And he come behind me and he tell me in my ears, quick, quick, quick. And I say it again. <laughs> and he said, oh gosh, man. He said, oh gosh, man. Um, that's it. Oh God, oh God, oh God. Come now, man. You mustn't have the thing. <laughs> you know, so there were a lot of faux like that. But, you know, he would always... Tell me, all right, well, you see, when you're talking to the crowd, you have to make, don't look at, he was one of the people that taught me, don't look at the crowd from in front, look at the crowd from in the back. Because when you look at the people in front, they think that the people in the back think you're not taking them on, right. you know? So you have to look at everybody in the back. So when my fans come in front and say, I'm waving at you and you're taking them on, it's because I can't see you in front because I'm watching in the back, so everybody would think I'm seeing them. That's a <laughs> trick. That's actually a trick. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. We're learning the tricks of the industry here this morning, you all. I shouldn't be giving out all my tricks, I know. I mean, there's a reason I am the, one of the best for the reason, I know. Huh. But, but Destra, you also have to educate. You have to educate I now do, that I you... Do. No, I'm just... 
I'm just playing. I do. I, I do educate the, the younger ones and, and show them stuff. You know, I, I think some people think that I'm hard to approach. And when they meet me, they're like, you're so cool. I didn't know you're so cool. Everybody is saying this and that and the other. But I'm a kind of a loner, you know. So I wouldn't try to push myself on anybody to, to show them stuff. If they, you know, if they say, well, that's what you think, so I would tell you straight. I would never hide anything. Mm-hmm. You know, but a lot of times I don't get the opportunity. The most times I get opportunities when I do songs with people. So you see, like this year with Nyla, Nessa, when I did this song with Mr. Legs, you know, I've, I've done songs with so many new artists that I always try to show them different things or tell them different things, you know. It works that way, but I'm always available. Desha, do you think that as a, you were, you mentioned earlier, right, that back then it didn't have very many women with, with hit songs or women that were leading the industry. Um, mm-hmm. And you coming into the industry and, you know, having to work with men in a male-dominated industry. Do you think that you had to fight to find your voice in this industry? Yes, I did. I had to fight for a lot of things. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, this is, this is a topic I'm, I'm glad you're touching on because in fighting for, let's say, equal rights or female respect, in an industry where you don't really respect women because remember we in music as well in soca is a sexy environment so a lot of people get the wrong message like you know look how she's dressing you know disrespect her no it's not like that so there was a balance that i had to create for myself where i had to let them know listen i'm on stage and i'm doing my job because i have to be a certain way when i sing certain songs and bring the song alive Mm -hmm. but don't feel that when we off the stage, I could come and say this or do that or whatever. That's not happening. And because of standing up for myself like that, a lot of people start to say, oh, she's a B-word, right? Or she have an attitude or she does or she does. Most times when I hear people saying that, it's because they never get to have their way around me, right? I'm a no-nonsense kind of person and I stand up for myself. I stand for others who I feel are weaker and can't stand up for themselves. Mm-hmm. Things like female bathrooms in the backstage. You didn't have a lot of that either. You know, because as men, men could go by the bush sometimes when you think about it. Yeah. A female can go and squat anywhere. You have to, you know, you have, come on, I ain't grow up so. Well, you have you know, some so, dignity about the thing. Well, exactly. So when you, when you make noise for that and you go and you go and you complain to Roy, you complain to Clefaris who own Atlantic at the time and you say, you have no bathrooms backstage. How am I supposed to change my clothes? How am I supposed to, you know, they feel you're being a diva. But you're not being a diva. You're trying to put things in place. And a lot of the younger ones now who enjoy a lot of things, it's because of people like me. I'm not saying I'm the only one. But it's because of people like me standing up for things like that, that you can have a, a, a dressing room now with refreshments, with your wine and your champagne and your this <laughs> and your that. You know, because we fight for those things back then. Because, you know, some people would get it, but not everybody would get it, right. if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't the standard in the industry. It no, was, you, no, had to, it you had to be a big swati. Exactly, exactly. And here I am, this girl who just sang Trimbalet, who she feels she is. She yeah. wants, she wants um, thing backstage and she wants, wants is she? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So that's, it... that's a lot of this, that's where a lot of this stigma came from also. Okay. So that you're saying that people, people will, will judge and they would say you're a diva and they would say this and that about you because of, of you standing up for simple rights. Yeah? Simple, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were outbursts in the past, you know, have a, a, a little temper sometimes. But, really? I mean, I've grown. Really? <laughs> <laughs> no, because there were instances, like, all right, there was a time that a glow stick hit me in my face. Oh, Lord. 
and uh, uh, you know, uttered a few expletives on stage one, that one time, but it, the people had to understand. And I, the thing is, you know what I suffer from? Not explaining my side of the story ever. I always believe in staying quiet and letting it die down is nine days. So when things happen and people calling up my name and people talking, you know, I would want to say what really happened, but I wouldn't. I would leave it alone. Why? And why you leave somebody, it alone? Because you know, I feel like it would just prolong it. It would continue the bacchanal. That's one reason. And two, when people are talking about you, whether it's good or bad, it's all good publicity. <laughs> you know. So in my line of business. When people are talking about you, whether it's truths or half-truths or untruths, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of these people that are saying these things, they don't know you. Yeah. They don't know you. They are talking about the entertainer, right? And when they talk about the entertainer, it's like, okay, well, that's, that's part of it. You have to take the better with the sweet. But the people who know you would probably shoot your call and say, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And you would tell them, you know? And they now would probably have the right story and tell somebody else. And then you would find the real story floating around out there, but it didn't come from you. Because they didn't publicly give a statement. You know how much time the media calling me? Like when I fight with Denise Belfont, which mm-hmm. everybody knows about. Right. The media calling, 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 and I would not answer that phone. Because I don't want to say nothing. You know, it happened already, all right. And a lot of the story is half truth. People don't understand the real story and what, what caused that, you know? And then the same thing with the glow stick. And we could go on and on. Because in my career, there's been so many um, outbursts of... of what going on with Destra? <laughs> Do you think, Destra, that the that the fact that you know everything is always so fast paced in soca, like you know every see every year you have to make this certain set of music to to be in the game to be relevant and then to get the tours after Carnival in Trinidad to continue going for the rest of the year and all that pressure. Do you think that that adds to to all of the things going on already? to make life a little bit more frustrating so that, you know, I would, not just you, but I mean, there are lots of artists that seem or would appear to the public to be easily triggered, but we don't really know the kind of pressure that you're, you guys are under constantly. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's a short season. <clears throat> and let's take it back to the fact that we are pressured to make music for every season. In the world of music, some people make an album every three years. Some people don't even make albums for... At, at all, have one song, they live off of that, they tour, and then they relax. And But we don't have that luxury because mm-hmm. if we don't make music, then we don't work, right? So there is that pressure of being relevant. And then with that pressure now comes, you know, people who, I don't I don't know how to say it. There are cliques, there are um, people talking in your ears when they feel you're, you're vulnerable, you know, and in carnival, you wouldn't believe. The people who are friends, when Carnival not there, don't be friends no more. Mm. <laughs> you know, it, it's a strange, crazy, silly thing, you know, but but it is what it is. And a lot of people, even now, they'd say, why why the um, older ones like Destra and Marshall and them and come out of the game and let the younger ones um, strive? Well, when we were the younger ones, we had to work hard for it. Just the same way. It's not easy. It's not an easy business. You know, you have to, my advice, to anybody getting into this game is to know that that is what it is. It's a game. And if you don't play well, you're out. Right? If you don't play the game well, you're out. And yeah. there are many facets to this game. Right? There's how you deal with your fans. There's how you deal with the industry. In terms of when people say bad stuff or do bad stuff or dealing with promoters or, you know, there's a lot of things in this game. So you just have to find different techniques to survive. Do you ever get you know, tired of it, Destro? Oh, oh, every single year. 
every single year I get I get tired of it. Somewhere somewhere around let me see August. Yeah. After touring and have to now go back in studio again. Yeah. Yeah, I get to the point where I'm not doing this again. I I, I think I could probably, you know, open some kind of store or something or maybe <laughs> just rock back and, and raise my daughter. But before my daughter it was just like um in in my mind I was saying I'm educated, I know. I could go and get a job out there. I could go and apply for a marketing job somewhere. I have my qualifications. Go and I'm very good at that. You know? Anything like that I could do. So, and plus I'm bilingual, trilingual. So maybe I could be a translator for somebody. Whoa, so wait, in wait, my wait, mind, wait, wait, I, wait. Just now, wait. What other two languages do you speak, ma'am? I know you speak French, right? I speak French. French is my second language, but I also speak Spanish. Ah, okay. Um, I understand Spanish better than I speak it, but if you throw me in the zone of Spanish speakers, I will definitely get it in an hour and be conversing with them. And I only realized that as my strength when I started to do the Spanish and French islands okay. and countries. When I when I went to Spain, um, when I went to France, when I went to Domini um, not, um, not Dominica, um, Martinique, Guadeloupe, you know, although they speak a little French in Dominica, a little mm -hmm. bit in St. Lucia, a little thing, a little thing. No, but, but I think sometimes I get tired and I just want to stop, but not tired of doing it. I love performing. I don't come, the most I ever come alive is when I'm on that stage. You so know? The, rest of it, it the rest of it is what gets tiring, not the, not the actual yeah, performance, not the connection not the actual, with you and the fans. No, no. Because, because I love, I love singing. You know, mm -hmm. I love interacting with my fans. I love being on stage and telling people what to do and have them do it. There's a <laughs> level of, of control that you feel when you're on that stage, you know. And I'm addicted to that attention and the microphone, and I love it. I love it. And, and I do love studio work, you know, but what I don't like is the politics sometimes, you know, because sometimes you put your heart and your soul into a song and you say, yeah, you know, I sang it good. I put, you know, everything into it, and then bam, it just, you know, you're not hearing it. But I mean, if you have an album of 15 songs, you're not going to hear all on the radio. But exactly. at the same time, there are people that, you know, for spite, they yeah. might say, I don't play your music because of that, which we had a recent issue with that coming up. I mean, I used to tell people that all the time, but they used to say, nah, that's your imagination. People ain't going to just play, not play your music. But you have somebody coming out and saying it live, I ain't playing your music for that. You know, so, you know, that brings to the attention, not just me, but how many other artists are out there? that have a grouse with somebody or somebody and like them and they ain't playing the songs. How are you going to do that? This so, is your livelihood. And if you don't play the music, then you don't get work. Right. That's true. There's been calls and claims over the years that I, before I entered this industry and since I've been in this industry about a radio mafia. Do you know of this radio mafia? Is it situations like that where it's individuals deciding... I don't like this one, so I'm not going to play their music. Or me and this person have beef, so I'm not going to play this music. Or me and this person are friends, so I'm going to play their music more. Mm -hmm. Is it more like that, well, or is it a team of people that come together and decide what's happening in this industry? Well, to tell you the truth, if there is... Well, I, this is my belief on it. I think if there is a so-called mafia, it is a name given to anyone that is victimizing an artist in the way that I have been victimized, victimized in, some, in some sectors, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's a generalized name that is given to anybody, whether it be a promoter, whether it be a DJ, whether it be um, another artist, you know, trying to put sand in their eyes, whatever it is. I think that that word mafia comes from that. But if you find out who is in charge of a mafia, let me know, you know <laughs> because I have a few choice words for them. Trust me. <laughs> 
But that's true. They saying you in the mafia. Eh? Yeah. What? Well, boy, if I in the mafia, let me tell you, if I in the mafia, every single song I release will be a hit. You understand? And if I in the mafia, when I release Lucy, it will not become a hit in in Bahamas and not in Trinidad. People like Lucy so much, but some people wasn't playing it in effect. Right. Right? If you go in the parties, if I in the mafia and you listen to the radio, right, then every Dashra song has to play. Everyone. And if I in the mafia, <laughs> when you go in the fat, you, you don't have to beg the DJ to play a Dashra tune in the fat, right? Or beg a, a promoter to let Dashra come and perform. If I in the mafia, right? So, no, negative. I'm not a no mafia. That's true. One of the topics that I don't know, I don't know how we're gonna get through this. I'm gonna try and navigate this part of the conversation very carefully. But I know that over the years it's been a fairly sensitive topic for you when it comes to competitions in, in carnival, especially in Trinidad. Um talking specifically about like Road March, for example. I know there have been a couple about let me say three three occasions, I think I can call off the top of my head. Um, where you came really close, but just didn't didn't get the road march title. Does that bother you still? Nah, it used to. I'll be honest. It used to bother me. Um, let me see. After the year bacchanal, mm -hmm. it, it it did bother me somewhat because when you give your all like that, or you spend money promoting, and you know, because remember, some of us spend money. Recording a tune, paying the producer, paying the writer, right? Paying for promotion, and you don't get it back unless you win a competition or you enter a competition. So I feel, I felt at that point sad because it wasn't, it felt to me at that time that things are not all what it seems. So you could try real hard, but if it do have, if it do work out that way, there are a lot of reasons why mm -hmm. that the public may not know about, you know, but. What I realized as well is that when I started to not focus on the competition so much and, and focus on my music, I started to really fly. I'm, I'm saying it literally and figuratively, right? Because I really started to fly the world. You know, when I started to focus on the people who love the music right. and the people who are not trying to stop the music from reaching because thank God for social media. Thank God for people abroad that buying your music online. You understand? especially in this COVID time, yeah. right? So those people now who are in these islands or these countries, who is this girl that's true? Bring her, I wanted to. And then they realize they have a big fan base in whatever country they think. And then year after year, you service that fan base, you know? So then it started to become less and less important, not being able to be in all the fests in Trinidad, not being able to hear all my songs on the radio, and putting out, people say, why is she doing all of that for? She's irrelevant. You know how much time I hear some Trinis, younger Trinis say she's relevant, and that was that was good. My first a second because it's like they have no damn respect <laughs> because of all the work that I did to pave the way for so many people, you know. But even apart from that, I don't take it on either. No, because when Carnival done, or even before Carnival over this year, right? I started my year in the Virgin Islands. We did Oles in St. John. We did. New Year's in St. Croix. And then we left again to go to Dominica Carnival and we went to um, Grenada. Right? So before the year was out, I'd already left the country three times. And in the past, that has, that has been a norm for me. I've done Guerrilla Carnival in Venezuela. Mm -hmm. Right? I've done, um, I've done different things around Carnival time. And then when Carnival is over now, you take a reset because usually 
um, my family and I fast for Lent. So I don't take shows during that time. Okay. You know, so so my 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 tour dates were really supposed to start after Lent. But then but you realize COVID came yeah. in Lent. Yeah. Right? So that that was a, a that that in itself. I feel that more than not winning any titles. Trust me. <laughs> when I started cancel shows left and right, when when emails started to come to the office and shows canceling. This year I was supposed to be in Portugal. This year I was supposed to be in Greece. Right this year, apart from all the other stuff that I was doing, I was supposed to also be in uh, where's that place that has um Mardi Gras? New Orleans. Oh gosh, New Orleans this year. I was supposed to perform on stage with Estelle this year. Last year she had Marshall and Spice. Okay. You know, so a lot of shows got cancelled this year internationally, and I don't think I even want to leave now either. You know, because of how how it seems yeah. overseas. What do you think the future the future of this of this game of this whole thing looks like? Being that, you know, all these things don't get cancelled already. We don't know what's going mm-hmm. to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's gonna happen next week. You know. Where does where does the industry go? Well, right now the industry is in a bad a bad, bad way. Especially well, I see people making adjustments. You know, people who have normal jobs making adjustments and coping with this period. Mm-hmm. Artists, entertainers, there's nothing, no real platform for us to accumulate the money or, or recruit the, the kind of um, income that we would have probably had by now to make our songs or to, you know, because people are not looking at it like, like that, right? People are not looking at it in the real sense, you know? Tell so me what the real sense is. The, the real sense is that because artists didn't get to probably work, if in fact they didn't have a nest egg put away, let me just say, mm-hmm. right? Who going and pay these producers and these writers? Who going and pay for all these online promotions that have to happen, right? If we can't perform, who going to hear these songs to make the songs get big? Because that's how the songs grow, huh? By performing everywhere, mm-hmm. you know? They don't realize how, how hard it is, a dent in the industry, you know? But... But for the most part, I think that, like all things, this is a period of cleansing. And for some, for some reason, God knows best, right? In this situation, God always knows best. So in, for some reason, there's something that we have to learn in this period. Some of us needed to rest. Like myself, I needed, I needed a break. Yeah. You know, because I really have been going nonstop for a very, very long time. You know, and maybe it would inspire us to write different kinds of songs. You never know. So this is me looking at the, the glass half full and not half empty right COVID will not be here forever and when it's gone i am sure it may not be exactly as it was before but we will take steps towards that okay i hear you i hear you i, I always find it so interesting i don't know where we're gonna go i don't know what's gonna happen that's sure what kind of music you're listening to these days we're listening to all kind of thing but you know what what playing the most anything what? my daughter listening to K-pop then. She listens to K-pop? She she listens. She loves B2K. She loves... um. You mean BTS? Course, BTS, yeah. Of course, B2K was in our last time. Yeah. <laughs> that was in my time. Yeah, that's a whole different band. Yeah, them. Yeah. She like them. <laughs> and she like um the, the girls now. Blackpink. Okay. Right, like right. Them. Okay. Right? Um, But apart from that, you know, she loves Ariana Grande. She loves... um. Oh gosh, it have a girl that seems slightly suicidal. Um, they have a whole that, industry that of them. 
she sounds really nice though, and I became a fan. I downloaded her entire album. Okay. What's her name, boy? I like the music. I don't even know her name. I'm feeling bad. Then there's Halsey and there's this one. So I listen to most of the stuff my daughter listens to, mm-hmm. and then my daughter is into TikTok dancing. She don't post as much. I post all her TikToks for her because her TikTok account is in my phone. Oh. Right? But um, she likes to do the dances, so she would go online and watch the mashups and stuff, and I would see her doing them, and I'd say, wow. You know, look at look at what, what music and entertainment has come to. That's how old is Zaino? Zaya is 10. 10. How has mm-hmm. this journey for you been the last 10 years, you know, being a parent and a soccer artist, and an artist, a performer, flying all over the place and raising a daughter? Yeah, it, it like I said, it was hectic. That was part of the reason I was so tired. Um, because my parents were hands-on with me, and I wanted to make sure that both Brian and I were hands-on with Zaya. And to be honest, when I leave the country, so does Brian, because remember, Brian is a sound engineer. He's a sound engineer for, for the band, and he also manages me in part, right? So in leaving, I always had to make sure that things were put in place, that my parents were always on board, which they always support all of us, all their kids, they support us. And then my sister helped a lot too, you know. So she always had people with her, and I never leave for long. If I'm going on a show, let's say I perform Saturday, I would probably leave the same day or the day before and come back the day after. I never stay for long. And I'm always here during the week to make sure I help her with her schoolwork, you know. Mm-hmm. And then when it's vacation, she has that to look forward to because as soon as school is closed, She's on the plane with me, in that suitcase, and we go on. Okay. So th- so Zaya's been touring the world with you? Oh, yeah. She loves it. <laughs> Do you think she'll get into this industry? Does she look like she's interested? I think Zaya is naturally talented to be in the industry. Um, but I'm, I'm not saying that I don't want this for her. Hmm. But I kind of don't want this for her. Why not? Yeah, you know? Because it, it was hard for me. And it's still hard for me. And I don't think that Zaya has the backbone that I have. You know? And she can do other things. So, so like, things that I can't do, she can do. Let's say, she plays piano. Okay. Right? I, I can't play an instrument, which we talked about earlier. Yeah. But she can play piano really well. She sings. And now she's trying to sing and play at the same time like Alicia Keys. Because she didn't know who Alicia Keys was at first. And I introduced her to Alicia Keys, Stevie Wonder, Lady Gaga, all these people that play piano and, and sing. sing. yeah. So she looked at it and she said, but mommy, I could do that. And now she's trying to do that. Um, she is very dramatic. <laughs> so she could probably be an actress or something. Um, what else? But apart from that, she's very academic. You know, and she loves to read. That child would go upstairs and read a, a book in one night and start another one the next day. So I said, you know what? That's the skills of a lawyer. Oh, wow. She, she said, um, Mommy, I don't want to be a lawyer. I said, why? She said, I want to, she said, I want to be the president of Trinidad and Tobago. I said, but how do you think you're going to get there? <laughs> <laughs> She's just going to wake up one morning and become the president. <laughs> <laughs> so she can do whatever she wants. You know, in retrospect, she could do whatever. I will support her, like my parents supported me, you know, because my parents made sure I was academically correct. Mm-hmm. But then I always wanted to follow music. My passion was music from a child. And they allowed me to do that. My mom 
when I was in um, Santa Fe, she said, you know you have to stop singing Calypso and do your CXC. I was like, all right. And then when I was in A-Levels, she said, you know you have to stop A-Levels and do your A-Levels and study. I said, all right. And when that was finished, there's no shame in it. We had no money to go UE. Right. So I tell my mother, I said, mommy, now that I finished do this and that and I could go UE anytime, could I do my music now? She said, you could do whatever you want. You're, you're an adult. <laughs> you know, and, and I just never went back into that. I did school part-time. Right. Like my marketing and stuff. But I never ended up going to UE. So you have a degree in marketing, yes? A sales and marketing? I have an associate degree. Okay. All right. And you, didn't you used to do that at, at was it Clico? It was Clico you used to No, I, I used to work at MBM. NBM. Okay, 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 yeah. okay. I used to, listen, I could sell anything under the winner. Well, I mean, <laughs> every year you have to come out and sell us new music, right? Well, exactly, exactly. I, I think I sell myself the best. Right. <laughs> do, you see, do you see yourself as a product, as in the entertainer part of yourself? Yeah, you have to. You have to. If you don't separate yourself, the, the entertainer, as the brand and the product, from you, the real you, you could get confused, and that, that causes you to get in your feelings. Mm-hmm. You understand? So when people saying bad things about Kyobi, the queen of back and all this, and the queen of back and all that, or even when they call me Destro, sometimes I have to remember they're not really talking about me. None of these people pitch marbles with me. <laughs> they don't know me like that. They don't know what color clothes I wear last night. They don't know if I like bingo bags or tongue. Yeah. They don't know. They don't know nothing about you. Yeah. Nothing. So when they're saying bad things, it's because they don't know and they, they're criticizing the brand. And you have, to, you have to separate it so that you have um, sanity. Hmm. I would imagine that's not easy to separate, uh, especially when you use your, your real name as your performance name. And that's why I changed it to Super K after. Okay. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are chatting with Destra Garcia, the queen of Bacchanal, uh, right here on <laughs> Talk City 91.1 FM inside the Saturday brunch. Destra, we have to take a break in a little while for um, Playway Pick 2 and Pick 4. But before that, I want to find out a bit of a controversial question. Uh-huh. What is the relationship like between you and other soca artists? Other people who are, let's say, the equal peers, right? The people who are out the same time as you, who come up in the industry same time as you. Who would you put in that right. bracket, first of all? Well, if I put people in that bracket, they'll, they'll guess my age, you know. Nah, nah, know. nah, we ain't know nobody's age. That's <laughs> age calling. We ain't guessing no ages again. All right, let me see. You said it right. It is a controversial question. Right, and there are, for the most part, I get along with everybody in the industry. For the most part, for the most part, there are there are one or two people that I don't speak to at all. Really? But that is, but that is mutual. Right, well, that, that is mutual. Is... That is that is, and that is historic. And I don't even want to go into that because we are national radio, where people want to mind people's business. No, people just <laughs> want the, people just want the information. That's true. Yeah, but people have. People have eyes and ears, and people know without you saying for somebody to go and say, Destrace on the radio this morning, XYZ. Okay. I say, let's sleep and dogs lie, right? There are, situ- there, there are people in the industry that I have been close with that are not close with anymore. Okay. There are people that I'm, I'm even closer with now that we weren't close before. There are newer people in the industry that are friends with me now. And, and there are people that hear bad things from maybe other entertainers and they didn't know I was so cool that absolutely love me now, you know? So, for the most part, 
Lorraine, look at the, the glass. Three quarter full now. Okay. Three quarter so full the glass is good. Is three quarter, three quarter full. I good with everybody. Okay. The ones I'm not good with, it don't matter because I'm sure you're not good with everybody that you work with. Well, you can't be. Eh? You really can't be good with every single body. Exactly. But, I kind of wanna find out who do, eh? but um. But you will not find out. <laughs> It's not a trick question. I really want to know because, you see, people always see, right? We see artists on stage. We might see people do collaborations together and we might say, you know, oh gosh, I really love this song, you know? And then, like you say, there are people who you were close with at one point that you're not close with now or you don't speak to anymore. Yeah. Right? I know, I mean, I know we say we didn't call the names and things, but let's let's be honest, right? At some point, there we're not, was... We're not, calling, we're not calling no names, period, because you're looking for back and No, I'm looking for information. I'm looking for information. Information? All right, but look at it this way. Look at it this way. Mm-hmm. It serves no purpose, right? If you... All right, let me go back to the time when Denise Belfon and I fought. Right. Right? Right. We were bitter enemies for a while. Right. And that is a topic I avoided talking about. And, and that's just because of the bacchanal aspect of it. And that is just because of the bacchanal aspect of it, right? But, but, now, but now you all are good, right? We are like best friends. Okay. How, how, how was... Anything happening to me? I, I want, calling me. Right. I want to know about, about how you all overcame that hurdle. That's really what I want to get to, eh? because I think that well, in, learning, in learning about these things and how people get through and get over them, we can all use it as an example of how we can grow, you know? You see, when people don't have hate in their heart mm-hmm. and they're open to, to love and have God in them, then it's easy to overcome any dispute or any disagreement, right? Because I'm telling you, as much as I have people in the industry that I don't talk to, it's not my fault. Because today or tomorrow, these individuals say, that's what's going on. I will humbly and lovingly say, i good, you know, because there's no hatred in my heart towards said individual. Right? And this is what happened with Saucy. We used to talk together all the time. Mm-hmm. And well, you know, you know Saucy mouth how it is. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so plenty of times, if Saucy feeling something, she will say it. She's not going and be like me and keep it inside and say nothing. The only time I talk is when my skin hurts me. Right. You see, if a lashma is a horse of a different color. That's why those expletives came out on stage when these clothes they kept me in my face. Right. I feel that. Right. But words, words don't mean nothing to me. Okay. You can say what you want. It's not affecting me. So, so see, a couple of times, you know, when I say how she feel when I'm wrong, and, you know, I'll be like, you see, Brian, you see how she, she provoking me? You see? <laughs> you know? And there was one instance where we, we um, ended up in a situation together. It was her and I only in a situation in Puerto Rico. I wouldn't say much about it, but we had to speak to each other in order so we, you see, this is a typical example of strong in, in, in stronger together than apart. Because we both had to explain what we do and why we were in Puerto Rico going to the United States. Right. Right? So we had to come together and talk to each other. And not to mention, they were speaking Spanish and I alone could understand. Ah. Uh, okay. So you had, you had the one so up. Yeah, but, but because of that instance and, and many other instances where we have been there for each other through the years, mm-hmm. outside of music, we realize that music is what makes people fight. But when you get to know the real person, you understand that this is somebody that I could be best friends with. 
The other day when they were saying all kinds of stuff about Denise, I called, I said, I just want to know you're all right. She said, yeah, I got to study them, you know, I'm trying to, I said, good. And that was it. <laughs> the other day when my name was all over the place, she called me. She said, sister, you're good? I said, yeah, 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 yeah. I got to say, you know me. She said, all right, that's all I want to know. And, you know, I have relationships like that with quite a few people in the industry. Right. Alison Hines is another person. Wait, well, you had beef too? No, but we good. Oh, okay. we're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I was saying, I know, I know, all you good, and I remember that iconic year when you all did obsessive whiners and everybody come came yeah. on stage and everybody loved the three of you all giving your your very best um to the audiences every single time. And that is a very real relationship you saw there manifesting on stage. Okay, so they just be home and stand up in the mirror and just whining on the place just for kicks. <laughs> Listen, it's the two of them. They have corrupted me throughout the years. Eh? Before Lucy came to life, as you would know, I was a jump and wave girl. Yeah. I wasn't in all that whining thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When as soon as they meet up, Miss Alice Nine mm-hmm. and Miss Saucy Wow, and they, they, you had to do this and you had to do that and shake it so on. I said, "What I got at this boy? I'ma try this thing." And look at you now. You know somebody go marry the wine. Look at you now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dasha, it is one minute before the play we pick two and pick four draw. So we're going to just pause the conversation a little bit and we're going to do the needful. And when we come back, we're going to continue chatting some more inside the Saturday brunch. Your brunch reach yet or it's on the way still? Well, it didn't reach from you, but what? I got some coffee in my hand, so I will drink that in the meantime. You see, it didn't think it came from me, but it really <laughs> did and smart. <laughs> No problem, no problem. I have you, I have you. <laughs> All right, so uh, Destra is here with us inside the Saturday brunch. We'll be right back.
Wave your rag high up in the sky. Celebrate unity, celebrate love, celebrate Trinidad and Tobago. Destra Garcia is here with us, well, on the phone, because you know we social distancing and all that good stuff. Destra, I had to be real yeah. honest with you for a second, eh? I real, I real appreciate you, girl. Like, I real appreciate the music that you've given us over the years, the work that you've been putting in. Thank you so much. Thank you for saying that means a lot to me. <laughs> and you know, it's not just me, eh? It's not just me because you, you know Freetown Collective, right? Yeah. Right. So the Rasta man in Freetown, the, the dark one who just played the guitar and thing, right? I had him on the program a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, he had professed to me his undying love for you. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. From long time, from long time. So I just thought he told me that if I did not mention it this morning, then he would have to not consider <laughs> me a friend anymore. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's nice to know. Because, I mean, I like their music. So that's, that's, that's nice to know. Well, you know what? I want to see now that you say that. I want, I want to see if I can negotiate a Freetown Destra collaboration. We have no problem with that. All right, so we go. We go discuss that. But what I want to discuss right. now, right now, um, it is the this period between um Independence and Republic Day. Mm -hmm. Um, the ministry generally refers to it as National Patriotism Month. That right. song that I played just now, "Fly," you know, the lyrics uh -huh. it, it's all about unity, togetherness, carnival time. We love the country jamming and all that stuff and. You know, you yeah. say in that song, what we need is so much more love. And it's a very, as far as I am concerned, at least, listening to it just now especially, it reinforced certain patriotic ideals that we need. What, yeah. do, you, what do you think it, it means to be Trinbagonian? Well, what it means to be Trinbagonian is exactly what it means to be of any nationality. There's a sense of pride in the country of your birth. You know, knowing that there are certain attributes associated to you as a person that are affiliated with where you're from. Whether it is a culture, whether it's a flower, whether it's a color. You know, so being from Trinidad and Tobago, in the first place, for me, it's always about red, white, and black. And you would see that in anything that I do, that is usually my primary color, red. You know, the albums that I do, my first album was called Red, White, and Black. Right. And my last album, which was number 15, was called Queendom, but it was in red, white, and black. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? And then if I, if I perform, most times I'm either in red or black. I don't wear white to perform because it makes it look big. <laughs> to be honest. Right? But, but those are two colors that I wear a lot. Okay. You know, and um, there's, there's a sense of national pride for me when I see our, our boys playing anything. You know, whether it's football. I'm not a cricket fan, but I would feel that pride still. Mm -hmm. And the only reason I wouldn't post about it is because I don't want nobody to see I is a bandwagonist. Nothing wrong with that, girl. Like Nothing wrong with that. I is a bandwagonist. <laughs> I watch the finals of the CPL only. <laughs> and I am shame. But, but I, you know, I feel proud of any Trini anywhere doing anything. You know, so... So all the, the stuff that we're hearing about the trainees who were responsible for um, the hairstyles with um, Beyonce. Actually, yeah. one of the persons that were working with Neil Farina um, is a friend of mine that used to do my hair, that still does my hair. Okay. He did some of the, the big pieces for Beyonce in that, in that I Am King. You know, mm -hmm. and I'm not hearing her name mentioned a lot, and I'm sad about that, but, you know. Trinis are everywhere. What about the Trini recently? Who did? Is, she's an artist or something. I think she was on, featured on the old program. Yeah, morning. she did the flag on the Times magazine cover. 
Right. You see, so many Trinis doing lots of stuff, whether we're in Olympics or, you know, these short moments of, of football history that we had. You know, I was so pleased to be in Germany for that. You know, so being patriotic just means being a lover of Trinidad and Tobago. The country, the people, our culture, our, our things that identify us, you know. I'm talking to you and I'm smiling because I like to boast about Trinidad when I fly out. And <laughs> I would imagine so. Destra, one of the things that you, you, you do that I think contributes to the culture of Trinidad and Tobago and, you know, the cultural fabric as well, is that every so often you have a pan, a, what they call a pan tune, right? So a, yeah. a song that you would sing specifically um, towards the national instrument or geared for the national instrument or for the competition of Panorama. Right. Somebody messaged me just now. I ain't gonna call their name, but they messaged and they asked, "Why is it that you don't perform those songs in FET?" So let me say, for the year you have a repertoire and you have a yeah. pan song that you recorded that year, but you don't ever put it in the FET, even if the FETs that might be for people who like pan music. Yeah, well, it's not for lack of trying, you know, because I've tried before to perform um, my pan compositions in FET. Mm -hmm. But it never works out because when these said people, the same people who would go to Panorama, that would jump and go crazy for it, in the fact they wouldn't, you know. So I have come over the years to realize that we have two sectors. Trust me, when I'm in the when I'm in the Panyard or if I am in the Savannah for Panorama, whether it's the semis, the prelims, or the finals, the atmosphere there is one that is completely unrelated and completely independent to what happens in the fest. For example, that year when I performed at Soka Monarch and ended up leaving in disappointment and whatever, and felt like, see me, I done with Carnival, yes? Mm -hmm. And I went to Panorama, final. And as soon as I walked through the door, the gates, I should say, I felt like royalty, but not Soka royalty, yeah? but pan royalty. Because that year, I believe people were playing my songs too. And then there's a year when I sang the winning song. You know, so there's a whole different element. And you have to, not you have to, I hope it changes. I hope it changes and we could all, you know, coexist. But for now, it is what it is. When you go in the, the pan circuit, you're in the pan circuit. Mm -hmm. When you go in the soca and the fat circuit, you're in that circuit. So it's hard for me to bring either element. I see them now trying to do, and I think the pan fraternity is more welcoming. Yeah. <laughs> because you can see that they, you know, they embrace the soca as they play soca songs now. Mm hmm You know, but I'm not sure about the soca fraternity in effect. I'm sure, as yet. I mean, hear what I would say to that, right? I would say that you are the queen of Bacchanal, right? You are Destra Garcia. You are a musical icon in Trinidad and Tobago. I think that if you were to get on stage and do what you want to do, there's nobody that can stop you. Yeah, but I'm also Destra, the queen of Bacchanal that like to see Bacchanal. <laughs> and if I'm singing a song and they're not looking and they start to walk to the bar, yeah. I had to switch it up quick to catch up. Now, not everybody could keep the attention of people for the entire duration of their set. Mm -hmm. I pride myself in that. I can do it. And there's a reason for that. You have to steal off of the crowd and what they want to do. So even if you're singing that song and you feel like it's a soul, you can't shove it down the truth. Yeah. I see people doing that all the time. 
You know, you have to keep the energy up so that when you leave the stage, you can say, yeah, boy, that's smasher, boy. I like to know. You like to mash up? I love to mash up. Not like. Like is an understatement. <laughs> I love to mash up the place. If I do mash up the place, I hear Charlotte and them tell me once, they say you're addicted to, to um, forward. You're a forward junkie. I feel it's true. I'm not starting to believe it. <laughs> you're not starting to believe it. <laughs> but, but that's true. I want to... Hmm. You see, I want to get into that, right? I want to get into that because... The, the forward culture, some people are saying that, that that is what's responsible for, you know, Soka only being about the forwards. Because, I mean, when, when you first came into Soka, um, or even before you, there was a, such a wide variety of Soka music. You talk about Ronnie McIntosh earlier. I remember Atlantic having, um, they did a cover of Tony Barclay's Hold On Tight. And Ronnie used to sing, you know, and it was a proper Soka song, but it was the, a more groove. It was a more, it wasn't about the forward, it's about just sing and enjoy yourself. If people will dance along the way. Do you think that we are right. losing some of that in search of the forward culture? Some of those All genuine right. so grooves? Let's, first, let's define the word forward. Now, a forward don't have to be hand in the air, you know. Okay. A forward is somebody enjoying your music mm-hmm. and singing along or whining or dancing or enjoying you. When you don't get a forward, it's when somebody stand up watching you in the, and you can see in their mind the same, come off the stage. <laughs> right? So a forward is not necessarily hands in the air, people jumping, getting on crazy, running left and right and whatever. It could just be like when I sing I Dare You or Lucy or what you want and people just dancing and enjoying themselves. Now remember the whole point of people going to a party or an event and having entertainment is for you to entertain them. Right. Right? If they want to hear the DJ and eat the food and whatever, they will do that. But when you hit the stage, they want you to entertain them. They are there to be entertained, so it is your job to make sure that those people live happy. Okay. And to answer the last question about if we would lose what? If the forwards killing the culture or whatever? Yeah, the, the actual grooves and things. Because people have been saying that, you know, over the years you would see a decline in the, in, in the quality of the range of music. So everybody wants to sing a music, music for a party only. Or to, to be able to get that, that, that level of response from a crowd in a party rather than singing music that would tell stories that would, like, you see, like, first time, for example. Uh-huh. Like, we don't have very many of those coming out where it's a, it's a proper story that you could laugh with and enjoy. Enjoy, and, I mean, right. when I say enjoy, like, dance and enjoy, but still have a, a story and a message and, and, you know, more to it than just dance and enjoy. You know, I'm now starting to understand why I have some people that do like that, sure, because I'm too, I'm too plain in what I say. Sometimes talk, talk. I don't think about... No, I, I feel... I'm starting to see it. I'm starting to see it. Because my answer to that would not be a political one where say the right thing. Eh? Because people no, listen, that is not what I, I want. Tell, you the truth. tell me the truth. I will tell you the truth. The truth is, right, people move away from singing songs like you're talking about, mm-hmm. because there's no compensation or remuneration unless you get into the fest. All you right. understand? Yes. So unless you, unless you have an album like me, and you could put lovely songs on it that people, if they want to hear, they could buy the album or buy the song or whatever, whatever. Like first time, I used to sing first time in the fest though. Yeah. You know, but I would be honest, people would not react for first time like they would have reacted for, let's say, I Dare You or Lucy or Way One because that have the, the, the bacchanal in it. Mm-hmm. Now, I do understand as a musician, and I see a musician because my voice is my instrument. Mm-hmm. As a musician, I do understand the need for music where it, it's sentimental and you feel it. 
like when I sang family, mm-hmm. you know, talking about the injury and how the people made me feel and whatever. Yeah. That wasn't part party. But again, the people did not appreciate it as much as they would have appreciated another song that year that, you know, telling you to wine, jam, joke, or gyrate. And the truth be told, people, like, especially the, the people going to make music, they think for the party because that's where they get paid. Not until something is put in place, you know, I don't know who the powers that be need to do it, but not until you compensate artists for making just music that feels good, would people only focus on, they'll keep focusing on the party. So you think that's true that we need to... We need to find other avenues for artists to be able to gain income other than parties. I think so. If it were like that, then in this situation of COVID, then everybody would be okay. Hmm. Right? So when you pen to paper and you say, you know what, this this feeling good, you know, this coming from my heart. Somebody out here can hear this. It have a forum where I would be and I would be able to do this song. It don't have forums like that. And do you think it's on the artist to create those forums or some other entity? Well, the world is the oyster. So right. if you see a need for something, like I'm saying it now, mm-hmm. right? If there's somebody listening that says, you know, it's true. It have a sect of people that worry, like, oh, that jam, that wine and jam thing, you know, but they like songs like First Time, where they could come and listen to melodies and harmonies and musical structure in a song and words with meaning. Let me create that. So it's there, it's there, to, it's, it's there to be done. You just need somebody to do it. And it could be an artist, it could be a promoter, it could be you, it could be anybody. Do you think that it's been happening at all? Are you? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course, there are pockets of people everywhere that gather, you know, and, and do different things. You just may not know about it. Yeah. Like, typical example, like I was saying just now, when I go in the pan fraternity, it's a whole different vibe. You know? Yeah. It's the same whining and jamming, but it's a different kind of music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the people there behave like, oh my God, this is the best music they hear for the whole carnival. And some of them don't even know the songs that playing on the radio <laughs> that, that popping. Because yeah. all they hear in whole day, whole night is the songs they're learning and the other songs being played by the other people. And trust me, when I'm in that zone, I'm in that zone. I'm not even thinking about what's going on in Suka Monaco, what's going on for the road march. It's a whole different ambience. I always wonder about artists who have have the kind of influence that you know they you know in in this industry, right? This this game, as you as you put it earlier. Um, right now, I would say at the top of the game. They have what people call the big five or the big six, how much ever the, the number is, right? You are in that you category. So? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So? Yeah, yeah. We still have it. We still have it. Only and I only say that because I think that right now we're in a transition period. Um and COVID nineteen was a great equalizer. So now everybody <laughs> everybody on the same playing field, right? Nobody had no work unless you make your work happen, right? Um but this industry has been driven for a long time, for a couple of years well, um, by this big five or big six category. So it, it have people like you, uh, people like Mr. Montano, people like, well, Kess, Kess joined the, join the fray now. Um, <laughs> but we, have, we had Destra, Marshall, Bungie, Fayan, um, Kess. They probably have other people that I can call, but let me say those are the big five, right? Chances are, um, there was a period, like if I, if I type in any one of those names on my Serato, I'm going to get over 100 songs, easy. And out of those 100, I can pick 50 hits, easy, right? Um, 
and that of course is not is not even the birth the, the breath of your music but i wonder if you if you who have all of this can't make the the industry shift in a way that is beneficial to the artists then who can that's a very good question because though you have a, a big five or six which i think is more like 10 because i didn't hear patrice in there i didn't hear i went there right true, um, true, so true. you're I very correct have, I, I think i think it have a few more yes i'd have a few more because we have voice also coming up in iran yeah but now, voice voice know? newer than you and the rest of people are we talking about if it, i, I, I will yeah, well, agree I guess, to I guess so. I will, I will agree to Patrice. I will agree to Patrice. I will agree to Iowa. Definitely, definitely Patrice. Um, Iowa for sure, for sure, for sure. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, apart from that, my my thing is, even if you're in the big amount, it starts from the head, right? So Who's you have head? to look at who. Well, I don't know. It's not me. It's not me. Had but, I been the head? But you are the queen. <laughs> you are the queen, ma'am. Yes, I am the queen. But I am not the king. Interesting. All right. So you think... You think right? It has plenty kings in there. Uh -huh. All them names you call. All them right? is kings. I went in there. Even Kessu now joined the phrase a king too. Right. Right? It has Marshall and they have Bungie and they have real kings in there. Right. Don't put this on me. I'm not no, but I'm talking to you, so I had to ask you. Well, right. So, so my, my thing is, where there is a queen, there is a king. Right. But usually, it is a king that runs a kingdom. And if this is the Soka kingdom, <laughs> then it has to be run by a male. Because at the end of the day, the females are the ones in that whole mix there. Uh -huh. You only call three females, right? And we have so many females making music. At carnival time, when the songs come out, you, the, and you check one to ten, you're not going to find more females than males. Even if a female tops the chart, eh? Right. A female could not chat, but you will never find more females than males, which tells us that this is still a male-dominated industry. And since it is male-dominated, then a king is the one that ultimately has ultimate control. And if that is the case, then this question needs to go to one of those kings in the top <laughs> ten. That's I will be here to support. I feel like you sidestepped that question there, no? Because we're living what? in 2020. I don't want to hear that you need the man to do it, Destro. We want Listen, equality and feminism and all those things. Same, this is the same artist that cow in a road match, yes. You see, you see how we reach back there? How we reach back because, there? Because that is what dominates the industry. People with titles. Yes, I am the queen of Bacchanal. Right. right? Self-proclaimed. And yes, I could go out there with any of those names that you call them. Mm -hmm. And probably sometimes mash them up. Of course. Right? Of course. But, but but, 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 but the fact remains that in the, in the, in the, the minds of Trinidad and Tobago and in the books of history, the names that will be written down is not going to be that sure. I disagree. A, no, I'm telling you. I not, I not asking you. I not asking you that I disagree 100%. <laughs> because, you see, the thing is, right, that we think, we think that only when you win particular titles that your name go down in the history books. That's true. You are... One of the of the artists singing on what is considered to be the the unofficial national anthem of Trinidad and Tobago. It's carnival. Yeah. It's considered the unofficial national anthem. And you go up to this day, up to up to what day that was? Independence Day. I played in a virtual party online, right? And at midnight, mm. 
the song that we play right after the actual national anthem is it's carnival because every right. single year for for situations that talk about national pride and national identity destra and marshall's it's carnival is one of the songs that always have to play because trinidadians have embraced trinbagonians caribbean people all around the world have embraced that song as representing us that mm. alone puts your name down in history well yeah next to marshall yeah okay i mean you know <laughs> what are you gonna do it happened to be but on that particular point, song. But that is my point. That is my point. That is my point. My point, my point being that... Okay, but no, I want to challenge you again. I'm going to challenge it again. I'm going to challenge it because yeah. Bonnie and Clyde down in Dallas too. And it had nobody else there but you. Bonnie and Clyde and yeah. the, the remix that... that um, yeah, but what are we talking about? What are we talking about? I'm talking about... No, I'm talking about legendary songs. They have hit songs and then they have legendary classic songs. That will go down for the rest of time. Like, like you know how like you know how Gina and Dinah is a song everybody know? Right. You know what I mean? Like Sugar Boom Boom is a song everybody know? Like Bonnie and Clyde is a song everybody know. Alright, I'll challenge you back. Challenge me. I'll challenge in your back. Write down the names of four people that you think have, let's say, ten notable songs. Three of them being classics or legendary songs, right? Mm -hmm. so you put in me, you put in Marshall, and you can fill in the blanks with whoever else, mm -hmm. right? And see if a female would become the winner of that challenge. What do you say? Now you have to write, you're writing down five songs. Five songs from me, five songs from, from whoever else, uh -huh. and see, you will realize that in as much as I have legendary songs, the reason why Trinity's in terms of the wider diaspora, would not look at me as being someone that could take this mantle. You understand? And that it should be a male instead, whether it is because of historic allegiances or legendary status, like in Marshall's case, mm -hmm. or because or, or, or Iowa's case, right? Because Iowa, come on. Yeah, Regardless yeah. of what people like to say about his song. He's a veteran. He's a notable song. Veteran. He would come on stage and sing a chorus and he would mash up the place. And he didn't have to sing. It. He didn't have to sing. I would just walk on the stage Correct. with the jumbie and just pelt Correct. water and it's over. <laughs> Correct. Correct. The respect is there with the songs, right? You now have other people making songs, but I guess arguably they're festive songs and they're not, they won't last the test of time. Like let's say it's Carnival, Bunny and Clyde. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Right? So, I mean, I see what you're saying, but I still disagree with you. I know, man. I feel like I, I don't know that you you are not down in the history books. I mean, I understand what you're saying in terms of title holding. But, yeah. but first of all, I know you have awards. You have numerous awards from all over the world. Yes? True. Right. So, you're, you're down in history books for sure with regards to those awards. With regards to things like Soka Monarch and, and, and Road March and those things, to me, now, hmm, let me be, I'm going to be honest with you, right, Destro? I find, right. I find that the competition aspect of it, while it may be what triggers some people to do better every year, I feel like it only hurts the industry as a whole because I've been backstage at Soka Monarch and boy, oh boy, it does not feel like much togetherness and much unity at all back there. 
<laughs> it's kind of scary. <laughs> yeah, it is. How how it is, is the competition supposed to help the thing grow? It's not. So why we still why we still hang up on it? Because there's a price tag on it. Okay, and that okay. Is the only medium for that to to let's say let's say somebody wins um any of these competitions and let's talk about Calypso, anything, anything. Yeah. When you win one of these competitions, you go from being anonymous sometimes to being known. Okay. And your pay grade goes from being one dollar to being multi dollars. Right. But that's true. Right, and then that's true. I, I, I throw in back the challenge at you because you, you, you haven't won these competitions that we're talking about. But let, right. me be, let me be honest. Let me be really honest here, right? You don't have to tell me the figure. Uh -huh. But you can't uh -huh. tell me that your pay grade is the same as it was in 2000. You can't tell me that you making, you making trimlet money still. No. Your, your pay grade well, went up. I could tell, tell you anything. But you're going to be lying to me, that's <laughs> Yeah, but that's what I you mean is I... that if you if you can can achieve getting the respect in the industry from a financial perspective without getting the um the titles as you were saying before and you're still able to command that financial respect and say, All right, this is my price and people know when they pay this price for Destra they get in quality because you have shown that you deliver quality, that you mash up a crowd, that you make people enjoy themselves, that you do all the things that you're being paid to do plus more. So in that same vein, why the, why the competition necessary now? If it is you reach that level where you... I mean, I don't want to get into your business business, right? But... You lied. I will want to do sell. Well, kind of, but... <laughs> <laughs> but I want... Just tell me the truth, Destra. Tell me... Let me say, it's not the... I'm not talking about the $2 million prize when they had all them kind of bacchanal for Sukamon or something, right? I'm talking about when it's the little 100,000 and, and I'm saying little like as I mean, but then compared to $2 million is a, is a, is a little, right? Um, right? When the prizes is like that, I get the feeling that soca artists, some some soca artists, maybe not you on a personal level, but you as in Bacchanal, the band, when uh -huh. the band is uh -huh. hired, I get the feeling that throughout the season, you all can have the opportunity to make that same amount of money or more. Incorrect. Incorrect? Okay. Educate Incorrect. me. Educate me. How does it work? Right. So, so correction is this. In the last, let's say, seven years, and I don't know why, a lot of promoters no longer hire me in okay. Trinidad. Right? So, basically, I don't make money in Trinidad. Okay. My music, in terms of, of my fans, they love, they love the music. My fan base is huge. But most of the times, I would work abroad. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I don't ever work in Trinidad, but it's not like I used to before. Hence the reason why you would hear all these facts and you would never hear my name. And is it because I don't have good music? No, it's not. Because I'm consistent every year with good music. Mm -hmm. You would put on your radio and you would hear that show, but you would not see her in effect. That is an issue that I am still trying to figure out why. Right? I don't want to say it's the mafia and the this and the that. I don't want to say that because I have no proof. Right. I have no proof, but I don't understand why. Right? However, we have moved on from that. Mm -hmm. Right? So in terms of titles and all of that, maybe that's why. Because the, the people who are in my generation, as they would say, are still in fat. So 
So maybe those sad people are the ones with the title. So maybe that's why. Because in the minds of a promoter or in the minds of maybe some a party goer, they come in to see legendary artists and maybe they don't consider me as such. The only reason I know that this is not how it is is because online I have a very big social presence. Mm-hmm. Overseas I have a very wide fan base. Trust me. Overseas, from the time I get on a plane and I come off and I land anywhere, you would swear I went to Monarch Road March and, and every other title it has in Trinidad and Tobago. So you think it's a case of, of what we usually suffer from in Trinidad where, you know, we do give credit where credit is due and we just kind of wait until people get big outside and then we love them? Well, I don't know, but I would reflect on something that Iwa told me once. He say, Queen, you are never a queen in your own tongue. Hmm. Remember that. He told me that once and I live by that and I, re- I respect that. But I'm telling you, it, it kinda, what could it be? It's not because I don't perform... I don't perform well because I'm really uh, one of the best, right? <laughs> if you if you do say so yourself, if I do say so myself, <laughs> is it because I don't have good vocal ability? It can't be I'm that. probably one of the few people that actually sings their songs live. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Who vex about that loss? Or wait, you know all that's no, that's no. Wait, I want to I want to get into that point a little bit. You don't use um, supporting vocal tracks in the band. So for background, yeah. You use it but for background vocals, not the lead. But never lead, never lead. Hmm. I never play my lead vocals. What you hear is what's coming out of my mouth at that moment. Mm-hmm. So you would hear the background singing um, whatever harmony or whatever, but the lead is always me. How? And this is something that people could attest, not just my band, but anybody I go to and say, don't play the lead. But it's become such a norm now. That when I perform anywhere, look the other day I was performing with a team and I told them, I said, don't play my lead. And they didn't even have it loaded in. They know already. No, they, no, no, no. They, they knew. They knew. They, so <laughs> one of the guys said, this is a real artist here, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you I mean, I don't know. I don't know what I meant, you know, but I'm just saying, if I go to sing with anybody, I would say, no, nah, don't play my lead, play my background, play the, the assisted instruments, whatever, but don't play my lead. How how rigorous is your is your rehearsal before um, shows or events, or does it continue even when you don't have shows and events? Well, honestly, we have a format, and what we do is add and take away songs. Okay. Because I have my own band, I don't have to compromise them learning too many different other things. You know, so basically, if we have a structure for a song, we keep it because fans like get to know it. Mm-hmm. In a certain way, it's, just, it's, like, it's like a live version of a recorded song that the fans already know in, in its entirety that, all right, when she reaches part, she's going to do this or she's going to do that. The only thing that changes is what I say. Right. Right? Now, there are times that, you know, let's say a couple of years pass and, you know, new trends come in, new beats, people into different things. We may probably revamp the sound mm-hmm. of the song. But in terms of rehearsal, let's say we have a shoot, let's say carnival coming up, we probably would rehearse for a month, three days a week. Get it right, get it tight. Do you do you love do you still love experimenting with music? Not as much as I used to before. Why is that you think? Because to be real, um sometimes in the past with experimenting 
it could go either way. You never know. Yeah. I still do it. Huh? I still experiment. But before there was a joy associated with it, where you would wonder how people would take this. Mm-hmm. Would they get it? You know? When I did songs like Marry This Wine, that was an experiment. Even this year with um, Raman Soka, that mm-hmm. was completely experimental. The way I, I sang the song, it was a different way that I, I, I said the words, a different vocal um, style that I used, you know? Yeah, if you no. listen to the entire Queen Dam album, each song is different. You know, right. sometimes you listen to somebody's album and say, oh God, I can't listen to a whole hour of this person. Yeah. You know, but all my songs are very, very different. Very different styles, very different approaches that I attack it with, you know. As you mentioned, Robin Soka, just now, I wanted to ask you for the longest while, what are you saying that song? Was it was chorus? Was it words? Talk it out for me. It's not weed. It's not? It's weed, no. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure. People keep saying that they but think it's weird. Again, you could say whatever you feel to say. That's <laughs> you, if that is your vibe. I can't stop nobody from saying what I want to say. <laughs> but it's we as in W-E, right. rum and soca. So now, that's really, that, that, um, that marijuana thing that happened recently where they made it decriminalized and people can have things in their, in their possession up to a particular amount and they can also mm-hmm. grow. Um, I do, have you ever partook in in the sacramental smoking of the herb? <laughs> <laughs> no, that that is a deal. No, I I am a drinker. I'm okay. not a smoker on okay, any okay. level or platform. Not at all. I guess that wouldn't help your vocal cords very much if you were to. to well, smoke. I, I mean, I've seen singers, you know, um, partake, and it didn't really affect them, okay. but. Personally, I I just um I don't know I I just I don't I don't like smoke on the whole okay. whether it's a barbecue or whatever I, I I tend to go away from it. Okay. So if we cook at home and yeah. the place gets smoky, I open and out all the windows. I just I just don't have a good tolerance for smoke on the whole. All right. And what's your drink of choice? I drink Chardonnay or Pinot Grigio or Sauvignon Blanc. I drink white wine dry. Why, girl? (laughs) Why? Why are you doing yourself that? Why? I like like wine. I like wine. But like dry wine? Dry wine? I love dry wines. Oh, my God. Love, 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 love. That's my wine of choice. And if I can't get wine and they serve in champagne, well, hey. Better better. Destra, if you had to think of a song that you consider patriotic, like a song that represents Trinidad and Tobago, what song would you... It doesn't have to be one of your songs. Eh? It could be from any artist, yeah. any genre. Yeah. Um, but I would prefer local. Yeah. What song would you well, would you say represents that for you? Well, um, I don't know the name of it, but it's the one that goes... Um, Trinidad is my land, and of it I am proud and glad. That's Sniper. That's and I can't understand why some people just talk it bad. I love that song. All of them, they're running the mouth. Don't know what they're talking about, but they go paint your black every day. And the right things they will never say. I love that song. I grew up on that song. Grew up on that song. Grew up on that song. Love it. That is the, the, the mighty sniper. The portrait of Trinidad. Portrait of Trinidad. Portrait and you have to know, but you comment at That is alright. I know here to judge you. <laughs> 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 but I really want to thank you so much for taking the time out to have brunch with us this morning and for chatting. Yeah, and I think uh, I've been getting numerous messages from people who appreciate 
um, the conversation and appreciate getting to know you a little bit better. And, right. you know, I want to thank you so much for joining us, for taking the time out of your your day. I know I know waking up in the morning is not the easiest thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> correct. But, you know, here's my boy still and we good like that. So, you know. And I appreciate you, Destra. I appreciate you. I really do. Hey, I appreciate you too. And all that you do for the culture. I mean, I see you doing all kinds of other stuff. It's not just radio. You know, you're on TV, you're doing interviews. Mm -hmm. So you keep up the good work because you are making your contribution and your mark as well, you know? Thank you very much, ma'am. And and, and just continue to encourage us all to be better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think once we stick together, we can all all get the thing where it needs to be and continue to let it grow and blossom the way that it can and should, you know? Yeah, man. For real. Positivity and light all the way. Yes, man. Deshra, I love you, girl. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday, Destra. Thank you, thank you. Keep doing what you're doing. And get off the couch. Hey, I don't off the couch. I'm exercising and thing, but... That is what we're talking about. That is what we're talking about. I went to the studio last week and I did Uh so on off the couch, yeah. Wait, wait, you're reaching the studio already? I'm reaching it. I tell you, I just needed to come off the couch. I'm off the couch. Nice. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm going to call you on that free-time collaboration, huh? Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to that too. All right, that's what we're talking about. All right, that's sure. Thank you so much. I go on later. All right, later. Bye bye. Bye bye. That was Destra Garcia, uh, ladies and gentlemen, inside the Saturday brunch.